everyone. Thanks for tuning into the message podcast of French Church. My name is Alessandra. I'm one of the team members here, and we're so glad that you're joining us. It's been really encouraging to hear stories from people all over the country and the world who are listening in. We really hope that our messages are resonating with you. We also wanted to say thank you to those who are contributing to Friends Church. All of the things we're able to do, it's because of people who donate regularly. Even small, consistent gifts help a lot. If you haven't had the chance yet to give, I would encourage you to maybe think about doing that, especially if it's been beneficial in your own journey. To do that, it's really easy. Just go to our website, friendschurch.ca, and click on the Donate tab. Or download our French Church app and click on the Give tab. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Welcome, Friends Church. People still coming in. It's a, it's a light crowd. These are interesting times, aren't they? Crazy. So uh, there's a few brave ones that are able to join us this morning. For those that are following us along uh, from the comfort of your own homes or cell phones or wherever you are, glad you're joining us too. I'm Jeff. And hey, I want to just tell you about um, a new series beginning next Sunday, actually. Um, Jesus was once sitting with a um, big crowd of people. He was teaching them. They were all leaning in carefully, hearing his words. And at one point in his talk, he said this. He says, let me tell you why you're here. He said, you're here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors in the world. At another point, just a little bit later, he says, you're actually the light of the world. Your role is to bring out the God colors in this world. You know, for people who have experienced kind of some kind of awakening on the spiritual journey, they've, they've, they've woken up to something maybe deeper and wider, and they're trying to figure out what this is all about. Very common kind of a realization we've come to is that the things that we're chasing in life, the things that culturally the world is telling us are signs of success, the markers for the person who's done what they're supposed to be doing. You know, finding the freedom to be able to do whatever you want or finding some kind of material wealth to be able to have some kind of achievement that everyone would look at and admire. These kinds of pursuits that culturally everyone seems to be going at. You get into that kind of thing and you begin to realize in the spiritual journey that it's not the complete picture. In fact, so often Jesus was speaking about another part of life that speaks to the kind of people we're becoming. In fact, oftentimes, he didn't really explore that part of this success of the material equation. He was speaking of another side, another role in our world that we each have. He kept asking the question, who are you becoming? Who are you when no one sees you? What is influencing the decisions and how you act and behave in your world? Next week, we begin this series called Becoming, and it just begins to explore some questions that each of us will ask on the spiritual journey. 
There is a current that we're, we're flowing in right now in our lives. And whether you realize it or not, this current is, is pushing you along. And if unexamined, it will steer you into being a kind of person that often, just by the cultural gravitational pull, will turn your eyes inward, will focus on me, this me orientation. Jesus and everything that he taught was trying to break people free of that current to help them see that actually their lives can be about so much more. And one day you begin to realize the impact that you can have by your choices that you make even little choices that no one even understands you've made can leave such a deep mark. So, four weeks, we're going to explore some of the questions that lead us into becoming something that one day leaves such a beautiful taste and flavor in the mouths of people all around us. Where you become like this halogen light that shines light around for those people around you. They're looking at you going, there is just something about this person. We need more of those kinds of people. That's what we're after. So anyways, you'll want to join us. Look, we're glad you're here this morning. And uh, we hope that you'll enjoy that we're in this middle of this spirituality of emotion series. So hang on to your hats. You're in for a good one. We'll let uh, Trevor take it away from here. Good morning. And welcome to Friends Church. Yes, I, I'm Trevor, and I am, again, broadcasting from my room. But I have a good reason today. About right now, if you're watching this live, I'm actually throwing garbage for our community cleanup. So that was my oof, community give back. And that was just an interesting point. I actually think my time here at Friends Church has asked me, how do I make my world better? So what can I do? So today we get to go clean up garbage as a family. The community will look better afterwards, so I'm happy about that. I'm very comfortable asking you to put money to this cause. Friends Church needs our money, our support, in order to continue to work and run. Just this week, we were doing a virtual meeting on Zoom, a community association piece, and someone got very upset, angry. I was kind of able to match the emotion, not about whatever they were angry about. I couldn't relate. And then calm them down have some good conversations about it after the fact and move that towards a resolution. Where would I have learned that recently? Hmm. Right here, we're on a series about a man managing and matching emotions so that we can actually come into people's lives and conversation. That's why I love Friends Church and why I continue to come. I'm looking forward to seeing you again soon in person. That'll be exciting. And for everyone else staying virtual for the time being, continue to enjoy this awesome service. And really, there's a number of ways to donate. And let me encourage you to donate. It's a great cause. Have a great Sunday. Enjoy the message. And enjoy the sunshine whenever we get it. Morning, everybody. That's quite the stuffy collection, isn't it? There's got to be some psychology on what parts of your life you share on Zoom. Anyways, I'm not sure how I'm going to transition that into this, but let's just take a deep breath. So today we're going to talk about sadness. So let me start by asking, how do you handle it? 
when the people around you are sad. Just sit with that. How do you handle it? The reason I'm doing this message is because I have a history of being horrific at that. It's probably about 10 years ago. I was still married to my ex-wife. And I remember the day I walked in um, from work. For some reason, I came through the front door that day, and I walked into our living room, and it just felt like there was a cloud in our house, this heavy, dark cloud. It had been there for quite a long time. I walked in the front door, and I could feel myself kind of stealing myself. for like, okay, here we go. said hi to my ex-wife, who I was married to at the time. And she instantly started to share with me the story that she just heard on Oprah. She was an artist, so she could draw, and she'd often have the TV on in the background. And I don't know if it was just a bad string of Oprah seasons, but it was like six months of sad stories nonstop. <laughs> And my, my wife at the time, she, she did sadness. Like, she went to sadness. Like, all the way into sadness. And I freaking hate sadness. And so I walk in the door, and I can feel the sadness radiating off her. That's the dark cloud. And, and I walk in the door, and she's like, hey, how's it going? Good. And she instantly starts this... You won't believe what I heard on Oprah today. It was about this woman and her daughter. I can't remember the details, but it was a woman and his daughter. And I remember just this feeling of like, I can't take another freaking sad story. I seriously, I can't. I can't take this. And halfway through the story, I was like, stop. Don't ever tell me an Oprah story again. I don't want to hear that shit. She never told me an Oprah story again. Now for those of you who understand what just happened, the first week or two after that I came home and there was no Oprah story and I was like, oh, this is beautiful. Oh, I don't have to feel sad anymore. But I didn't at that time realize what I know now, which was what you all know from these last two series. What was she doing? She was bidding for connection. She was feeling this incredible amount of sadness for the story that she just heard on Oprah, and she wanted to share it with me and have me come in and resonate with her. We call that a bid. When someone feels something and they want to share it with you, what they want is they want to create connection with you. They want you to, to feel with them. Research tells us that when we feel an emotion and we share it with someone, if their feelings don't match our emotion, our brain registers them as a threat. You've all seen this. This whole series has been about this. Someone feels something, we either resonate with it and create connection, 
Or we do things like, hey, don't be sad. Hey, don't tell me that story. Hey, I don't want to feel that. Hey, isn't everything good? What happens is the person sees you as a threat and they stop bidding. They stop trying to create connection. My ex-wife sort of stopped trying to connect with me through sadness. And our relationship started to fall apart. It's probably a year or two later that we were divorced. The reason we built this series the way we did is because this is happening all over our lives. People are bidding through connection and we're not turning towards them, we're turning against them or away from them. And the relationships are degrading. Take a minute and just think about the people in your life. Today it's sadness, but you can go anywhere. Has your kid ever bid with sadness? Mommy, Daddy, I lost my toy. You're thinking, I gotta get you to school, kid. I don't have time for your toy. I don't have time for this. What about your partners, your friends? How do you handle it when they bid through sadness? And what's the legacy of how you've responded to that? How are those relationships doing? Because if they stop bidding, they're starting to fall apart. My story today is a cautionary tale. But here's the deal. I picked this message, I picked this emotion to show you how to not do it. Because traditionally, I've been horrific at sadness. I hate feeling sadness. I hate it. We were sitting in the meeting out there, and I could feel this message coming. It felt like there was like this hand in my stomach reaching up, trying to grab my throat. I could feel it's the sadness feeling of like, it's coming to get me. I don't want that. So how do we feel the bids of sadness from the people we love? Family, friends, you name it, neighbors, random people down the street. They're bidding to us with sadness. How do we respond when we don't want to feel that? How do we feel safe to their brains? You do it by being willing to feel sad. Because the people you love, the people you care for, need you to. And if you don't, the bid stops and the relationship starts going south. So for the first bit today, here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you to find sadness so that you can respond beautifully to the people in your life. This isn't sadness because we want to feel sadness. I don't like feeling sadness. This whole week I've just been dreading this message because I don't like feeling sad. I hate it. And yet, if somebody I love bids with sadness, I don't have an option. If I want to love them well, I got to feel with them. So I want to invite you today, 
for the sake of the people around you, the people you love, the people you care for, to go to sadness, to feel whatever sadness you can, to let yourself go into that place that maybe you avoid, maybe you don't like, maybe you're like me and you just do whatever you can. Turn on the happy music. I don't know, I don't want to feel that. Go there. For some of you, sadness feels like something you get stuck in. Right? If I feel it, I'm going to get in there and I'm not getting out. So just let me give you a, a word of encouragement. We're only going to feel sad for the song that I'm going to play after this. It's only going to last a few minutes and I'm going to help you transition out of it. So if you're like me and you're going, oh, dude, I can feel sad for about four seconds, but that's it, I want to encourage you, go deeper than that. Find the sad story. Find the story of somebody you've lost. Find the story of something you wished you had and it didn't turn out. Find that sadness. I asked Alessandra to play what I feel like is a funeral song. It was the song. Oh boy, it's going to be a sad one today, isn't it? Asked her to play a song that feels like it's a song I would have played at my mom's funeral. It's actually a love song, but something in the chorus just speaks to the sadness inside of me. So for the sake of the people in your world, you love, you care about, open your heart to the sadness that you feel. When I first started doing this work, my counselor Dana said to me, Vince, for most people we just say go to sadness, for you, if you feel a tinge of sadness, a momentary sadness, I want you to run towards that sucker. Play every sad song you can find. Watch sad movies. Think about the saddest story you can because you're so armored against it, you need to push into sadness. So if you're like me, I want you to push all the way in. Go hard, feel this, because there's people in your life that need this. Take a deep breath. Settle yourself down, open your heart, and let the music take you there. I want to encourage you to just take a deep breath. Let it out. Feel that sad place inside of you. But don't let it get stuck there. Take a deep breath, and as you breathe out, let the sadness just flow out of you a little bit. Rub your fingers together a little bit. Just feel the feeling of your finger against the other finger. It reconnects you to this moment. We want to be able to feel our sadness, but not be stuck in it. We're able to find some sadness. It was a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting on Actually, I was right there. <laughs> Kyla was sitting right here behind her drum kit. She came in first thing in the morning and said, Hey, Kyla, how's it going? She said, Good, good. What's new? Chatting a little bit. She said, Oh, hey, I heard this or watched this amazing documentary on Netflix. I was like, Oh, what? I'm always looking for something to watch. 
She was, it was this amazing thing. She said it, it was set in, in Romania, and there's this whole this story about this guy, and he's driving on this road, and she sang a song from it, and she kept going and going. I was like, oh, wow, and I'm trying to follow her, right? It's like, Romania, okay. Healthcare, okay. And then her, her energy changed. Her voice started to get kind of a hitch in it. And then she started to tear up. Now, I may be crap at this, but tears are, what are we thinking she's feeling right there? <laughs> Even I'm catching on, right? So what do we know from bidding? Someone feels an emotion and shares it with you. That's the definition of a bid. And I know enough because I've been working on this series, it's a bid. She's bidding, and she's bidding with tears, which means it's sadness. Remember, she's telling me about how the corruption in the Romanian healthcare, you know, it's hurting people. And I can feel myself wanting to doing this. Like my back foot was starting to come out. <laughs> As I'm like, and I'm like, don't, Clausen, don't. Come on, stay in this. <sighs> she's just getting more and more worked up and like the sadness is starting to hit me. So I can, I can see the bid, right? You're all seeing the bid. You're all smarter than I am. You're like, dude, that was a bid. We all know what I need to do, right? I need to match emotions with her. But here's the problem. I'm not feeling sad. I don't know anything about Romania. I don't know anything about the healthcare in Romania. I've never been there. I've never done anything with it. So I'm not feeling this profound sadness, this tear, you know, tear-drenching sadness that Kyla's feeling. So what do I do? We all know what I need to do, but I'm not feeling it. And that's why I asked you guys to do the exercise we just did. To find sadness. To find your memory of loss, something that you can feel deep inside of you. Because in that moment, what you can do is what we call stage one. You can take the moment you're in that you're not feeling sad with, but this business is coming from sadness, and use that emotion to turn towards it. Does anyone feel like tear-drenching sadness about the corruption in the Romanian healthcare system? Kyla had spent time, she traveled when she was young to Romania, by herself, 20-year-old, traveling through rural Romania. For her, those are her people. Of course she's feeling sad. For me? So here's what I do. This is the part of the message I was dreading. You see, I'm seeing the bit through sadness, and I'm not feeling sad. But when I need to feel sad, I think about the last time I talked to my mom before she died. She had so much pain that she, she was so drugged she couldn't really keep a conversation going. So most of it was just, hey mom, how's it going? And then if I need more, I remember the time at her funeral where we were together as a family. They have this little room where they keep the family and she's in the casket. 
And everybody left. And I stayed with my mom. And I put my hand on her cold hand. I said goodbye. With that in my heart, I turned towards Kyla and I said, I am so sorry. The remaining healthcare situation, I'm so sorry. If we're willing, if we're willing to go to the sadness that we may or may not want to feel, we can heal the people around us by creating connection in those moments. Okay, you don't need this, but I need this. Let's just shake it out a little bit. I need, I need to get out of sadness for a second so I can remember what I'm talking about. <sighs> for some reason, some of us, the sadness gets stuck, doesn't it? When we feel it, it's, it feels like there's this thing inside of us that when we go into, it's like you put your toe in and there's a monster in there that's going to grab you and throw you and suck you in. There's actually this idea in psychology that says, whatever you're not willing to feel, it'll just keep coming back. So basically all the times in your life, all the times in my life, that I wasn't, be, I wasn't willing to feel my sadness, yeah, when I go there, they all come back. It's like we can't stay in this moment, all the moments of sadness, all the moments that we've avoided, all the times we haven't dealt with it. It all comes rushing back, and it feels like that monster trying to pull us into the pool of sadness. And so here's what I want us to do. The first part of this was just being willing to go to sadness. And as you can see, for me, it's kicking and screaming. But the second is to deal with the monster in the sadness pool. There's this amazing story. Actually, no, it's, it's a tradition in the Jewish community. It's part of our earliest tradition. It's based on a story by a guy named Joseph. Probably you know him from this little thing, Joseph, and the Technicolor Dream coat. Right? You maybe heard this story as a kid. He's got this fancy colored coat. His dad gives him, his brothers see it and think, well, you're an idiot. Dad likes you better. So they kick the crap out of him, as brothers do. And then they sold him into slavery. Well, that might be a little extreme, but let's just say as brothers do. Long story short, he gets taken at a young age away from everything. It's just like one story after another, banging off bad story after bad story. But finally, he's redeemed. He becomes the second most powerful person in Egypt. And as luck would have it, as revenge likes to play out, his brothers over here who thought he was dead... They're going through a famine, and they have to come to him now and beg for grain. <laughs> and I know you're all thinking, if it's in the Bible, he should have been really kind and forgiving. No, he totally screws with their heads for like the longest time and gets his revenge. But then finally they reconcile, and he says, can you please bring my dad? Can you please bring my dad? I haven't seen him in so long. 
I need to see my dad. And they have this amazing moment where they come together and, you know, the heart's been healed. Anyone who's ever been separated from a parent or adopted, you know this feeling, this reconciliation, this coming back together. And after all that time lost, after all that stuff, Joseph's dad dies. Chantal, can you throw the quote up for me? So Joseph left to bury his father. And all the high-ranking officials and all the dignitaries of Egypt joined Joseph's family, his brothers and his father's family. It was a huge funeral procession. Arriving at the funeral place, they stopped for a period of mourning, let their grief out in loud and lengthy lament. I want to read that again. Letting their grief out in loud and lengthy lament. For seven days, Joseph engaged in these funeral rites for his father. When the neighbors who lived in that area saw the grief being poured out by Joseph, his family, and his Egyptian colleagues, they said, look how deeply they are mourning. That's how that site got its name, Abel Mizram, which means the place where the Egyptians cried. Nowadays, we call it sitting Shiva. It's this idea that says when you lose somebody in your life, you come and sit, the family sits, and everyone around sits with them, and you feel your grief for seven days. You give your grief loud and lengthy lament. You don't hold it back. You don't keep, you know, that's a little too much anger or sadness. I'm just going to pull that back. I don't want to feel sadness. No, 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 none of that. Loud and lengthy lament. You give your sadness voice. That's how you deal with the sadness monster that's living in that pool. We sit with our sadness. And then after seven days, you let that go. And you transition to a new way of being sad. It's not like there's no more sadness. But here's the deal. Emotions are designed to move through us. We should be able to go into them easily. That's my problem. I can't get into sadness easily. Give me anger. Oh, man, I'm in that one all day long. Love that one. Sadness, do not want to go in. Emotions, I should be able to go into sadness and then after appropriate amount of time, let sadness flow through me and out. Emotions aren't meant to get stuck inside of us. That's when they're not healthy. It's not that the emotion's not healthy, they're fine. It's that it's not moving through us. We hold on to it, or we, we avoid it, we, we push it down, and it gets stuck. And then when we need to feel it, when, when something comes up where we should feel it, we don't. gets backed up and every time we, f- we hold back it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it's scary and so here's what I want us to do following the tradition of our spiritual tradition I want to encourage us to sit Shiva with those sad feelings that we didn't want to feel maybe it's with your kid 
Maybe it's something that happened when you were a kid. Maybe it's something with your parents. They didn't treat you the way you wanted or they didn't understand who you were. Maybe it's with friends or family. People not getting who you are, not treating you the way that you deserve to be treated. I want to encourage you to go to that feeling that you've hid from, that sadness that's deep inside of you. Give it voice. Let it out. Let it move through you. Now, if you're clinically depressed right today, ignore what I'm going to tell you to do, okay? For most people who are clinically depressed, their healthcare professionals have a different path through this. So I encourage you to focus on what your healthcare professional tells you, not Vince, the pastor who doesn't know anything, okay? But for the rest of us, chances are we got a backlog in there. It's causing us problems. So I'm going to invite you and encourage you to give it voice today. Loud and lengthy lament. I asked Adam and Alessandra, I said, can you play a song of lament for us? And she picked this one. It's a song that was one of my ex-wife's favorites. Let it be the voice of your sadness. How did it feel to sit with some of those old sad feelings? Let her voice give them voice. Get the sadness monster to dial it down a little bit. You know, we did this series and did this message specifically because there's people we love that are bidding through sadness. In fact, this whole series started with one line that I read. It was a question. They said, why do we cry? Why do tears come out of our eyes when we're sad? I thought, that's a weird question. I have no clue. To signal the people around you that you're sad. Our bodies are biologically designed to bid. To reach out for connection through emotion. And we now have an option. We can look around and ignore those bids. <laughs> Nothing to see here that those tears aren't there. Turn against them. Hey, come on. Snap it up. Let's go. Enough. Or we can turn towards them. Be willing to do the really hard work. For maybe for you it's easier, but for me to get to that sad place and to turn towards that bid, that is not easy. That is an act of love. And hopefully now you have both the awareness of the bid, the ability to feel the love, the ability to turn towards them in love by feeling sad. Now you're left with just a choice. I'm left with a choice. Are we willing to do the loving thing? We called this the spirituality of emotions. And the way I talked about this at the beginning, I said, look, if you don't do this, the relationships are going to degrade. So if you love that person and you want that relationship, go for it. 
But the spiritual component says, regardless, if you can feel their sadness with them, that is an act of love. That is an act of healing to them. And Friend Church is here to inspire you, to inspire me, to make the world around us better. And this whole series has taught us a mechanism of how to do that. We see the bid. Anger, sadness, awe, powerless, fear, you name it. You see the emotion come up. You'd be willing to go there in your heart. Turn towards it by feeling it. And make connection. Create love. That's the spirituality of emotions. That's the work that Friend Church exists to do. If this one's tough for you, amen. It's tough for me. Reach out. Tell me your story. I'd love to hear it. I wanted the band to end with one final song, a song that honored sadness, but kind of brought the nose of the plane up a little bit. It's a song you all know. Don't let the sad feelings wash away right now. Hold them. Not right here, but where you need them. Connect to your sadness, honor it. And let this last song take you to a a beautiful place. Let the sadness flow through and out. Don't lose hold of it. You'll need it. Someone will bid through it. But now you have what you need. Deep breath if you could. Can we give the band a huge round of applause for where they took us today? Have a great week, everybody. This is the end of Spirituality of Emotions. We start becoming next week. Great to see you out. Be safe. Have a great week.